This is Binod Shankar and you're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA and more. Now you think why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical practical issues. Number 2, authentic. No bullshit, no sidestepping. The topics, guests and questions are all from that perspective. And number 3, take a charge the ground and see if a charge holder at 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mixing 10 years of entrepreneurship, through a decade of full-time CFA training, at speaking, mentoring, cycling and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the real finance mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Hi everyone. Uh this is Binod Shankar here, the real finance mentor. with yet another episode of the real finance mentor podcast series um the session is basically for anyone who wants to get insight and inspiration on your careers especially careers in finance so as usual we have uh, a guest who will bring on board lots of experience and expertise uh, and someone i've known for quite a long while actually and very glad to reunite uh, my guest is bashir siam uh his first job after college long ago was with deloitte you know um while he was studying for his CF- cpa exams he received an offer from other anderson which was then like the audit firm to work for until of course their unfortunate enron collapse in fact it's at other anderson that i met bashir nearly two decades ago uh, and we all woke up one day as eny employees as other anderson practice was taken over by yen by across many markets globally Uh, after leaving EY he's worked in several global businesses such as Motorola in the capacity of finance and shared service manager with PepsiCo as finance director as mindshare as regional cfo until his latest role as group cfo for the mina region um he is quite well qualified as well he holds a masters degree in finance he is a cpa holder he is uh, a certified treasury professional is the holder of the certified information systems um auditor role as well uh, qualification as well he also has the diploma in ifrs from acca and 2005 he completed an executive education program in mergers acquisitions and restructuring from harvard business school uh, beyond his career he enjoys teaching used to lecture on a part time basis at the american university in dubai and has also helped prepare students for the cpa uh, ifrs cma etc exams so a man with a lot of experience um which i'm very keen that he shares with us today on the podcast so welcome on board uh, bashir thank you very much you know and and for the thank you for the long introduction well you deserve the long introduction because <laughs> unlike a lot of my wow. guests who are you know 2 5 years into your career you are you know you you are, you are a veteran uh, so there is a lot to talk about uh, fortunately thank you now bashir incredibly yeah. we are talking for the first time in nearly what two decades you know <laughs> the, la- the last time i met you was probably at some anderson event maybe in some iftar or something in 2001 yeah. 2002 before it all broke up and then we lost touch yeah. and of course recently reconnected thanks to linkedin uh, uh you reached out and i'm so glad you did and that's why we're having this uh, this interview so yeah what prompted you to reach out Yeah, um first basically um yeah after 20 years uh, a lot of gray hair in in these 20 years uh, from both sides of the aisle <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, definitely love the question. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's been 20 years and uh, throughout the 20 years, a lot of stuff happened, as you know. Uh, frankly, to be, uh, to be honest, I think one of the things that uh, during the 20 years I did not really do well is to stay in touch with my friends enough, with my colleagues and the network. And, you know, in your career, your network is very important, basically. Uh, so reflecting back uh, on the past 20 years, definitely one of the decisions I've made that definitely to spend more time with my friends and network. Maybe you would call it the uh, middle life crisis or, <laughs> or, or, or something else. But I, uh, uh, frankly, I've been trying to find time to spend more time with, uh, with friends and colleagues. The collective wisdom you get from friends and, and uh, colleagues is... is uh, invaluable, frankly. Um, and beyond this, uh, I have been uh, following uh, you on LinkedIn, and I would like to thank you, frankly, for the genuine and authentic uh, quality stuff you find on your LinkedIn. And you feel that this is not commercial. It's meant really to help people advance and make the best uh, in, in, in their career, which is basically um, very important, right? Um, and I'm just going to share, a, 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 you know, something with the audience. You know, I've known, you know, uh, from Arsene Anderson almost 20 years ago. And uh, uh, it, it feels that, you know, you don't get to the top without hard work. I'm going to share a story. I remember one day I was really swamped in, a, in one hell of a consolidation till beyond midnight at the office, right? Um, and uh, I was getting help from, you know, uh, my colleagues to, to, to get the ball rolling. Um, left, I was pretty exhausted, came back early the following day to really wrap up the file and give it to the lead on the business. And ironically, I found Binod sitting on the same chair the following morning. <laughs> so basically, you don't get to the top of the mountain by, you're not helicoptered to the top of the mountain, right? One of the things is, uh, there's a lot of hard work to be done. Um, and this is also, I think, uh, as you start your career, uh, some people try to cut corners sometimes, but you know in your heart, you know, if you really want to have sustainable success, a lot of hard work will go into whatever you do. No, absolutely, Bashir. In fact, I think all of us look back to those days in the big four, whether it is, you know, PwC or uh, any other firm or Anderson, with uh, pride because that built our foundation in terms of you know discipline and focus and work ethic and commitment and we may have hated it on those days sitting late nights and, and, and doing audits and analytics but uh, that helps a lot in terms of career life uh, health uh, going forward uh, definitely and, and even education and, and talking about education um, uh, Bashir you're a certified public accountant uh, CPA yes and um, the recent conversation, I discovered that you're also a certified information system auditor, CISA, which is actually quite a tough qualification, I, as I know from uh, talking to my friends, and also a certified treasury professional, the CTP. So for the listeners who are mostly youngsters, early stage of their career, trying to build a career and looking at various qualifications, I've got two questions for you, right? One is, how exactly have these qualifications helped you in your career? Yeah, I, I think uh, tremendously, uh, and I'm going to be factual, basically. This is not to tout or promote any, I don't get any money from, you know, promoting any of, of the certification, but let me be very frank. Uh, first, you need to really believe in your education, right? In your lifetime education. 
whatever you learn from the university a few years after graduation in, in today's fast-paced world uh, will be totally uh, the basics and not enough really to extend your job. Um, so if I want to answer this right from the start, number one, you will get more interviews, right? And I personally, uh, I can... Uh, I can witness for that. I got a couple of interviews only, or the main trigger was uh, the fact that I was certified uh, and the, the interviews open doors. And beyond the interviews, it gives you the framework, a clear path, a compass of what are the best practices. Mm. What is the really top-notch standards, processes, and so on, how you should do your job against which you can uh, you know, uh, benchmark yourself. Uh, so effectively, it helps you uh, uh, get interviewed. It helps you really good uh, do a job. It gets you helps you get promoted and so on. But you also not forget that you know it's it's one of the puzzles. Also, you need to keep on investing yourself even beyond certification, from an emotional intelligence perspective, from a management perspective, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go back to uh, even credibly and uh, factually. I recall an instance where when I started with PepsiCo, one of the areas that I was entrusted with was quite technical, uh, like, you know, uh, U.S. gap and tax accounting, which is a quite technical and any candidate. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think I really hate it. Uh, when I studied for my CPA, I never, you know, was expecting that this will be a main area that I will be entrusted with. Uh, but the fact that I had the certification, it gave me the starting point, uh, and I was able to hit the I was able to hit the ground running, which really created a very positive perception and so on. Mm-hmm. So no doubt about it. Uh, I also uh, advise candidate is to start early, uh, get the certification early, because obviously the return on investment over your uh, lifestyle career will be much better. Uh, remember also, as we get older, you know, um, uh, and especially for the for for the uh, uh, for the ones of us who will have a family, time will be more scarce, will be more challenging. You will have less energy and so on. So definitely, if you start early, is better. Uh, and also look at it as what is the next step for me to excel in my career. Mm-hmm. So example, uh, in my case. Uh, when I progressed in my career and I, uh, one of the areas of my job was to get um, involved in acquisition and valuation, I decided, example, to do one more certification, which is the CVA, right? So don't only just go for certification just to, you know, it's good to know, but also try to tailor the, the certification that will really give you the edge you need in your area. You don't want to be the, you know, a journalist. You also want mm-hmm. to be, in some areas, you want to be really the master uh, that people look for you. So also keep on building your education. General information is good, but in few key areas, you need to be really la creme de la creme, right? Um, so frankly, the return on investment uh, is, is amazing. Get, it, get your certification early and then build on that. Uh, and you will benefit from that uh, certification over probably four years. Exactly. I, I like the point about, uh, you know, choosing the right qualification or certification for your career, rather than just picking the most uh, popular or most favored one that your friends talk about, you know, and, and, 
and also not collecting badges that a lot of people do, you know, just collect certifications and put it up on your resume or LinkedIn profile without regard to specific relevance in your career. And also I see a lot of my students, you know, when I was teaching from a CFA, uh, also starting, uh, studying for the certification too late, you know, by the time they finish it's like mid thirties and mid thirties, you can't do much with the qualification because then that's what counts experience, right? Not so much your, initial qualification. Yeah, and, and that is an important point I, I think worth mentioning is your employer will not pay you more because you get the certification. You need to apply the knowledge. Never mistaken the fact that I have on my wall 10 certification, they're going to increase my salary. Applied knowledge is what counts in life. How are you going to apply it and make the company more profitable and add value? Never forget the difference between knowledge and applied knowledge. Absolutely. That's one thing. Upskilling and employability is so critical. Thank you so much for raising that. My, my second question, Bashir, regarding that was, of course, why do you think a youngster should, if at all, consider any or some of these qualifications like CVA or CTP or CPA or CISA? Um, yeah, frankly, maybe I can explain it in a way that will resonate with the you know, everyone listening to us, right? The ROI, return on investment. Frankly, if you look at the effort, the time and the money, you would invest in a professional certification like the CFA or the CPA, it's a no-brainer. The potential that uh, it will give you, the knowledge, the potential of getting hired, the promotion, the ability of really extend in your job versus the energy you put in and the money, it's a no-brainer. Right. And I would say if you would really compare it with some of the masters or the MBAs, it even will uh, the return in investment will be higher. So it, it's it's the evidence is overwhelming, even if you look at the statistics of people with a certification as with no certification. Um, and this is, as I said earlier, this is an investment that will yield the returns over 40 years, perhaps more. Mm -hmm. um, so this is very important and you might lose your job, but no mm -hmm. one will take your certification from you. Uh, this is something that will serve you for the rest of your life. So it's a, it's a no brainer, frankly. It's, it's, I like the last point, Bashir. Certification is almost like a safety net, right? It's your, uh, it's your guarantee. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're working for, who you're working for, right? Now, um, let's switch tacks and change gears and, and talk about uh, something that both of us have experienced and you are still experiencing, which is corporate life. You know? Yes. Uh, we have both uh, reached a higher level. So, and most people you know, don't realize that senior corporate positions are not as sexy as they look, right? All they see and dream about are the high profile brand, fancy job title, good pay, lavish perks, living in Jumeirah Islands, <laughs> right? But you've been there and I'm sure there are several downsides that you probably have, uh, have experienced and are hence frustrated with. Tell us three aspects that you would rather do without in corporate life. Yeah, so, you know, as a rule of thumb in life, you can't have it all, right? I mean, you work in a company in an amazing brand. Uh, it's a talent magnet. You got a lot of perks and so on. But generally, there are, you know, three, four challenges you will face in any large company. And starting with number one, bureaucracy, right? I think that is a direct correlation between the size of the company and the likelihood, uh, you know, of, of a bureaucracy. 
in, in, in simple English, if you need to steer a large ship, it takes a long distance to steer a large ship, as simply as this. Bureaucracies would stifle innovation, uh, would demotivate people, will delay decision-making, and the flow of information between the customer uh, and the decision-maker uh, basically is, is becomes riddled with bottlenecks and so on. So the people that need to make the decisions uh, are really separated. So bureaucracy is, is a real challenge that all large uh, organizations face. Uh, and few were able really to uh, uh, sort it out, uh, if you want, drastically. Right? Another element, passion, right? I mean, mm. working on your business or your own gig uh, is automatically something you have a passion for because otherwise you wouldn't do it unless it's something you were passionate about, right? And in, again, in a large business, uh, you can pick and choose, right? Uh, there will be a large uh, piece of the puzzle or assignments you're entrusted with. You need to get it done with. Uh, you, you might even not be convinced with the strategy or the priorities for the next one or two years, but the hell, you need to get it done. And if you, in, in a company, if you try to really steer against the strategy, you will be standing on the tracks of a train right? Mm -hmm. uh, you can debate as much as you want, but you need to stick to that. So that is a, the passion. Uh, it's not something as easy to, in a large organization to have versus a, uh, a, a, smaller, uh, a smaller business. Another element that also you will, uh, uh, you will face as in the corporate world, let's not forget that you're rewarded, you're, you get your salary and your bonuses based on your time and your energy. Right, so it's it's a clear equation. Uh, you invest your time and your effort, you're rewarded. So when you leave or you're retired or you're let go, uh, the music stops. Right, mm -hmm. so it's not like when you have when you incorporate your business or you start your own gig, the sky is the limit in terms of earnings and and so on. You should never forget that as a business you are easily replaceable. And I'm gonna share an example we tend to forget. The, uh, uh, you know, Steve Jobs is probably one of the most iconic inventors and CEO, right? That the world has. Hmm. We tend to forget that even Steve Jobs in 1985 was let go by Apple. <laughs> True. So, yeah. So never do, never confuse the difference between your own business and the company. Uh, obviously, you need to be passionate to grow in your career, but these three challenges, I think bureaucracies, right, uh, lack of passion as well, uh, and the difference between the salary and the equity on the long run uh, are key elements that separate uh, and make it more challenging between a large business and a small business. No, absolutely, Bashir. I think we talked about that earlier, you know, during our calls. I think if you want uh, significant financial freedom and even just significant operational freedom, uh, corporate life is probably not the place you should look for that. Uh, uh, if, if you if you want to have if you want to be financially independent and retire early, for example, uh, you're not going to be able to do that probably when working in in corporate uh, for various reasons, right? Uh, so, so we talked about you know your uh, how do you say the things you don't like. Uh, but of course, as a result of all this, you must have learned a lot of lessons, Bashir, right? And matured a lot and since entering the workplace. So from your experience, 
what are the five important realities of the corporate world that you think every young finance professional must know before they enter the workplace? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we learned a lot and we will keep on learning, obviously. As you know, life is uh, every step uh, on the ladder is, is a new experience. Some of the things that really um, I've learned and sometimes really the hard way is, if I go back to what we were talking about, the professional certification is, many candidates tend to uh, forget that you will not get promoted purely on your certification. You need to bring value to the business, right? Uh, and in many cases, as you grow in your career, your managerial, your emotional intelligence uh, will count for more to get promoted. Your ability to lead people, your passion for the business. Uh, if you're calm and collected, can manage crisis, right? Uh, if you're genuine with people, you try to coach people. You mm -hmm. have a reputation. People want to work for you because you coach them. These are traits that will help you get promoted. So... Um, Obviously, if you look at CFOs of even very large organizations, they will tell you the technical part is the hygiene. It's a mm -hmm. must-have. You need to know the technical part of the... But as you start managing hundreds of people, right, your many candidates tend to forget the soft side, which is as important, if not. And let's not forget that ultimately... You know, if, if you have someone who's not able to work with people and collaborate, even if technically very good, he's mm. not going to really progress in his no. career. So this is a critical element. Another element is you need to understand the, the business uh, ins and out. So if you work in an industry, really try to understand every single detail you can get your hands on. So who are your customers? What the customers know? The supply chain, the innovation, the competitors. Uh, if you compare your company with the, uh, with the rest of the pack, with the competition, which key ratios are important? Which one are important for the investors and so on? Mm. Um, so if you're looking, example, for uh, an airline company, you need to even always focus on the asset utilization, how many hours these airplanes are flying and so on. The more you understand the business, the more value you could add. Uh, and you would also in, in between as you create value, you will get promoted. Keep in your mind that you don't work in, your in the finance function per se. You work in the company and your job is to help you, the company, manage its finances. So embrace the industry you work for. This is, I think, something very important. And it will show. If you love the industry, it will uh, also show. Another mm -hmm. area is uh, really you need to be watchful for the trends. Um, so nowadays, for instance, digitization is impacting every function in any company, right? Uh, turning the, the, the business digital. Even in finance, uh, we're automating a lot of processes like payment is almost automated to a large scale and so on. So always keep a close watch on the trends, on the disruption. Uh, and you need to understand this uh, innovation because artificial intelligence is not anymore uh, something that will impact us in the next century. Artificial intelligence in the no. next couple of years, exactly. Uh, so you need to be watchful for this. And, and, you know, frankly, some people are losing their jobs because of these trends. 
To the contrary, some people who are embracing these technologies uh, are really uh, benefiting from that. Mm. I think another fourth element is also I have learned is, and I've, I've, you know, I haven't excelled in this early years, um, is your build your network. Uh, keep on building your, uh, your network of friends and colleagues. Ultimately, uh, how many people will work uh, all their career in, in one employer nowadays? I would say the minority of the minority. It's, it's very rare. The, you know, all time ago, uh, used to join a company and they used to leave a golden watch for you in the safe. Um, you were supposed to pick it up on your retirement. These days are uh, way gone now. So keep on building your networks and your networks will really help you personally. Uh, I have received, frankly, more employment opportunities through my network versus headhunters, right? So keep that in mind. Also, you have the advice that you will get um, from your So, and don't wait for the day you need your network to start building it. This is a big mistake, right? Um, so this is something uh, key. Um, another, uh, another fifth element, and I really lived this, is never uh, burn bridges. And, and, and here, let me explain this. You know, in, in, in a corporate world, it's even healthy to debate, right? Uh, a, a company with a yes sir man culture uh, will be difficult to innovate and progress. So as you debate uh, with your boss, as you debate even at the board level, as you debate in a colleague, don't confuse the message you're debating with the messenger. Don't attack the messenger. Never burn the bridges because I mean, that person, you're debating with could be your boss tomorrow is even your boss today, right? Uh, and life is a circle, right? Uh, always be uh, tactful, always be uh, use emotional intelligence um, and, and uh, grow this relationship. Um, again, as we said, you know, a uh, few minutes back, it's very important to invest in your emotional intelligence. Uh, and keep in mind that you are on the same ship with your colleagues. Never uh, you know, steer the conversation to a personal direction. Um, I want to share an experience that, frankly, uh, I've seen this um, even, by, even by very senior people, and they get it wrong. You know, when you're emotionally uh, under stress, don't take major decision. Avoid to make major decision. And how many people uh, end up by sending that nasty email and regretting it the following day? We, we all did. So we, we try to learn as well. When your emotions are pretty high, you know, keep the, that email in, in the draft. And sometimes the following morning, you realize that even the problem has been solved. Right? So uh, keep in mind that your colleagues uh, and you, you are on the same ship never really uh, create fictional issues beyond only debating the subject, never get into personal. I think these are some of the lessons that uh, I've seen them in practice. Some people excel in them uh, and some people pay the price. I mean, I think uh, this last five minutes of what I just said should be bound into your, printed and bound into your book and given to every <laughs> new guy who joins. Because I wish, uh, on, 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 I wish I had known this 20 years ago, and I'm sure you wish you had known this 20 years ago. I wish someone had told us 20 years ago, uh, better late than never. But like you said, 
technical skills and qualifications are the hygiene factor, what really counts over and above that is the relationships and managing people and, and network. That's what will take you places. Uh, I can connect, especially with the last two points you mentioned, building networks and burning bridges, because I don't think I have been brilliant at either of those two things, you know. Uh, but anyway, lessons, lessons are always useful. Um, at least we can share our wisdom with the youngsters listening to this podcast. Uh, and so it yeah, will, a collective wisdom is it will benefit the, the upcoming generation of finance professionals. Changing gears again, let's talk about something that is very dear to you, I know, and uh, very, very close to my heart as well. Uh, so, and this is financial literacy, Bashir. We've talked about financial literacy is quite a few times uh, on, on, on yeah. the call, on the long call that we had a few weeks ago, uh, catching up. Now, financial literacy is a topic that you're passionate about. Um, you see and hear people, Bashir, everywhere struggling with their personal finances, right? Even here in the UAE, where you don't have poverty levels or huge inequalities or things like that. You see people un unable to afford quality education or quality health care or, or, you know, um, struggling with, with debt or being able to, able, able to afford a retirement. So from what you have seen, and, and I'm sure you have experienced and you've seen a lot among your friends, colleagues as well, and so do I. From what you have seen, what are the top five mistakes, Bashir, that people keep making that damages their long-term financial well-being? Yeah, yeah, so a, a lot. And, and frankly, especially everywhere and especially in, in this part of the world, because here we don't have a lot of safety nets, right? Mm -hmm. If you live in Paris and if, you're, uh, if you lose your job, you could have a two-year unemployment coverage. Um, you have also medical coverage. Uh, you also have a retirement here. If you really don't master your personal finance well, uh, you don't have a safety net. So, um, and also like everywhere, uh, our education, there is a big difference between, you know, uh, doing a business degree and knowing how to manage your uh, personal finance. So some of these, uh, uh, starting with the, one, with the first one, actually it's financial education, right? Our educational system back in school or university, very few people had a proper personal financial education uh, uh, to, to benefit from. Uh, and it's compounded uh, by the uh, fact that, uh, and it's funny, you see sometimes people uh, spending, uh, you know, long hours or sometimes weeks, uh, you know, before purchasing a, a, a trip, right? Before going on vacation, they spend weeks, right? Uh, and 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 the trip is just a couple of thousand of dollars, but they don't or, or, spend or, or, or buying a TV, <laughs> or buying a TV. Yeah, a lot of time. I don't want to talk about the car because the car you would even visit yeah, the showroom a yeah. couple of times and so on, right? But then when it comes to choosing where to invest for your retirement, right? They don't get the education, so they trust the salesman. We all heard that, you know. A used car salesman. Be careful, our dad told us. Be careful of the used car salesman. Great. But what about you trusting your retirement, which is super important, and you're virtually naked because you did not learn the basics, right? Mm. So I would really urge everyone seek a personal finance education first. 
before you venture. Because what you don't know in personal finance is not a bliss. What you don't know in personal finance will cost you money. Uh, we all did mistakes, and I've done tons of mistakes. Try to learn from others. Try to read. Uh, there are plenty of books, right? Be it beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Uh, and, and definitely, it's a must. Another element is procrastination. Mm. So people, uh, they don't want to save today. They want to save tomorrow. We still have time and so on. But frankly, um, you know, the human nature, uh, the more you prox- uh, procrastinate, the harder it will be for you at a later stage. You will have to save more. You will, mm. And some people, to make up for the time, they take more risks, which also turns up ugly as well. So start slow. I mean, you could start by saving five to 10%. And then as your financial education and you're more comfortable, even emotionally with the, uh, you pick it up, but start as early as you can. And, you know, also in the stock market, the uh, compounding effect, you know, if you start five to 10 years earlier, the difference will not be 10 to 20% could be virtually the double, right? Uh, and this is not an opinion. These are mathematical calculations. Um, another thing is basically uh, another key element where I believe people go wrong is they mistake uh, the insurer, insurance broker or the salesman selling them a bond or a mutual fund for an independent uh, wealth advisor. That's a big difference. Right. Mm. One is trying to sell you a product that most likely to earn a commission. And the other is your fiduciaries who is entrusted uh, to give you a product that is only good for you. So I would advise anyone. Right. Uh, and this is a golden question is to ask whoever is trying to sell you a product. How does he make money? Right. Mm. If that mo- if that person. Uh, makes a, a clear uh, uh, commission on the product. So keep in your mind that ultimately that person has a vested interest in, in selling the product that attracts the highest commission for him, not necessarily for you, right? So uh, and another mistake also, some people buy an investment product from an insurance company. Generally, this is, the, this is not the most ideal. You know, when you have a ache in your tooth, you don't go to the to the ER because you want to test your kidney. It's a totally different product, right? right. So right. the insurance generally you should go to the insurance broker. While if you want to buy a retirement product, something else. So always keep in mind that the financial advisor, most of them are unfortunately salesmen, and very few they have your best interest at heart, right? Um, Another fourth element, very common, lack of diversification, right? Mm. I mean, we all heard, uh, you know, the, the famous sayings like from Warren Buffett, don't test the river with, with both feet. You want to test the river, right? With, uh, however, if you look around us at how many people fail to diversify, uh, and I can personally talk about it. I have a lot of friends who, uh, unfortunately, um, got stuck in Lebanon with a lot of, uh, with the recent uh, economic downturn. Uh, And they had a large part of their wealth uh, in in one country. So diversification across several geographies, several classes of assets is so important. 
uh, right? And, and as I say, diversification is probably a free lunch. Uh, you don't pay for it, but it's so important. You need to diversify your investments uh, as much as you can. And this is a golden rule, actually. Uh, another fifth element, another element also is falling prey to scams. Every week, you know, I receive a call, either someone trying to sell me, you know, a new kind of revolutionary uh, uh, cryptocurrency or a, a new kind of gold hedge that is linked to the oil, you know, exotic stuff. We should never forget the difference between uh, an investment and speculation. Do you really want to, uh, you know, uh, put at risk your hard-earned saving during years that you need for your retirement and speculate, right? So I'll give you a typical example. For people who want to, you know, give it a try, it's fine to invest like 5% of your um, savings or your net worth in, in risky assets, that's fine. But the people who call you for these unbelievable uh, investments, uh, keep in your mind that when it's too good to be true, generally it is the case, mm. right? So, uh, and go back to your edu financial education, uh, ask your friends and so on, do your homework. Otherwise, uh, again, in, in personal finance, ignorance is not a bliss and they will really, uh, you will pay a, a, a dear price for this. Um, also, I wanna also, what I found also very frequent is, and you're not gonna believe me most probably, but a lot of people end up by buying high and selling low. You mm. would say, why the hell you will, you will do that? But reality, uh, you know, our emotion in many cases make the best out of us. We feel the hype of investments going up. The individual investors feel the hype. Mm. They ended up by buying as the valuation go up and so on. And then when the stock market crashes, there is a panic uh, and they sell. But most likely, by the, keep in, in your mind, by the time your hairdresser is talking about it, it's definitely time to exit the market, right? So uh, it, it, it is it's definitely something that we, we see uh, very pervasive. Um, so beyond this, I would say also, I'm a big fan of passive investing. Uh, invest in uh, index funds. It's proven that uh, very, very few actively managed, uh, actively managed funds are able to uh, beat the market on the long run. So if you buy uh, a, an index fund like the S&P 500 from BlackRock or from Vanguard, you would pay 0.15%, mm. right? True. Uh, if you buy an active managed fund, uh, you could pay even more than 2%, right? So that fund actively managed need one to uh, make up for the fees differential for any taxation differential and so on. And statistically, there is only very, very few funds that can beat, right? So again, invest the core of your uh, wealth in index funds. And then if you want to, you know, uh, speculate or invest in the rest five to 10%. But we tend to forget this. We, as a human, 
we think that, you know, training a couple of days, we can go and, and win the marathon. I mean, what yeah. are the odds for me, an individual with no research team, is to be the professional investors? Mm. Um, so it, it's, it's, um, it's quite sad, um, you know, that we, we, we see people are being sold mutual funds uh, for a primary reason, because uh, commission that the salesman makes on the uh, on this actively managed fund is way higher than your index fund as well right. and so people fall into them so these are very common but unfortunately very painful as well to individual investors so yeah i mean that's that's interesting quite insightful so just to summarize your top points uh, regarding what people should do to build their financial wealth uh, have financial education Number two, don't procrastinate. Uh, number three, don't mistake your stockbroker or insurance broker with an independent financial advisor. Uh, diversify and don't pray. If, uh, don't fall prey to financial scams or speculative investments. Uh, buy. Don't buy high and sell low, as opposed to buying low and selling high. And of course, select mutual funds based on historical data as the basis for portfolio allocation. Now. We've talked about something else both of us are quite furious about, you know, the often destructive effect of some of the so-called independent financial advisors in the UAE. Uh, we have been here for nearly two decades, both of us, and we have seen both of them in action. You have been the receiving end of a few of this. Uh, tell me four ways in which these guys, these independent financial advisors rip off unsuspecting clients why are unethical and wealth-destroying practices? And more importantly, how can consumers protect themselves from these unscrupulous operators? Yeah, so uh, it's unfortunately the case. And I even personally, myself, it's interesting if I'm a business graduate and I already have you know, uh, worked in accounting and finance um, and I was, at several instances, especially at the beginning of my career, I ended up buying products that were clearly uh, crippled with fees, direct or indirect, or not really suited for my age and so on. So what would you leave, for instance, to the teacher in the school? What would you leave for the example for the engineer or for the doctor, right? So this is a problem um, that, uh, some of the advice that is given is given by a salesman. So uh, a very common uh, issue we face is uh, the amount of disclosure they should make is not sufficient. Mm. So starting with the direct and indirect fees, I, I mean, who has the time to read the, the mutual fund or the bond prospectus or who will do it, right? Uh, even there is so much cavits and legal terminology that it's even you will go nowhere if you try to read it. You know, you have uh, uh, entry load, you have uh, the management fees, uh, even there is a bonus that is being paid to your salesman, to the whoever is selling it. And this will come out of your pocket, right? So <laughs> this guy, BMW, is coming from your own pocket. Don't forget <laughs> about that, right? He's not, he's not your best friend. No? Uh, so effectively, the disclosure about the 
five or ten kind of, of fees, and there are a lot uh, uh, to keep in mind. Also, uh, a, a key element is how long you are locked in. Myself, luckily, I was stuck for five years, but I have friends who were stuck for 10 or 15 years. So this is not disclosed sufficiently. So some people who bought an investment slash insurance policy found themselves that one is their investment is underperforming vis-a-vis uh, -vis their benchmark. And two, when they tried to get out, they realized that the penalty is humongous. They will lose 50, 60% of the money and so on. So, I mean, are you really explaining to the uh, buyer, telling him the impact of him uh, having to cancel the policy earlier? And in life, you know, many things change over your lifespan. Uh, people get married, people will have different family priorities and so on. So uh, keeping someone handcuffed in a policy for 10 years or 15 years and really charging him unbelievable uh, charges to get out that are unfair, we see this very, very uh, often. Another mm -hmm. element is comparing uh, apple with oranges, right? So... Uh, that advisor will compare the product uh, uh, that is being offered to a, a, a benchmark or this that is not comparable, number one, from a risk perspective. So obviously, if you offer me a very risky uh, uh, a product and you tell me the return of investment uh, is as safe as a treasury bond, it, it's definitely not comparable. So. For people, again, we go back to the financial education who are not savvy. Uh, I mean, they will send them a couple of charts and show that the investment is overperforming, but God knows how the, uh, this benchmark was calculated. And also they, they intentionally sometimes omit to factor in the calculation the fees, the fees that will come out of your pocket, the, the many fees that uh, we, we, uh, we spoke about. Uh, I read something recently, and really that strikes a chord, right? Wall Street, they want you to believe that they are making money for you. But in, re in, in reality, they are mo making money from you, right? So in, in reality, yeah, never forget that ultimately most of the advisors are not independent, like an independent auditor, we, we uh, right? Uh, ultimately, they are in the business of making money. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are very, uh, uh, we see this very often uh, in many countries. Uh, and the unfortunate that in this part of the world, as we said at the beginning, you don't have a safety net. You don't have a pension. You don't have a unemployment coverage. So if you really, these investments, if you get them wrong, you're on the hook. Right. So uh, how can people how can people protect themselves from this uh, multiple uh, unethical practices? Uh, how how can they defend themselves, uh, uh, Bashir? Yeah, yeah. I think number one is awareness, and we go back to the financial uh, education. So, uh, frankly, uh, uh, if you're aware uh, uh, and you've already invested in yourself you know which investments are comparable and one of them are not comparable. You know that in the current climate, you know, interest rates are rock bottom 
And going forward, uh, the climate will change. Inflation is rising. So probably interest rates will go up. So buying a long-term uh, fixed instruments or fixed return instrument is risky because of this. So obviously you need to invest in your education. And by the way, it's okay if you don't know. I mean, you can, you can seek the knowledge. You can, uh, you, can, you can read, you can buy books, you can ask your friends, but hell no, don't uh, lock yourself in a product for the next five and 10 years that will eat your hard dollar earnings for which you have worked so hard Hmm. Uh, just because of the fact you did not get you know the knowledge or you tried to seek uh, some help and number two is how you're going to protect yourself is people forget to ask the one million dollar question is ask that person how much money you make by selling me this product right hmm. so again uh, i mean are you comfortable buying a product from someone where you know that uh, the only revenue stream he makes is out of the commission he makes out from you. So definitely it doesn't look to me an independent relationship for the person selling you. So always keep that um, in mind. And finally, uh, try to learn from the people who, who made it, right? So if you have friends, uh, for instance, uh, that really uh, were successful in, in personal finance and investing, uh, try to learn from them and try to build it gradually, you know, start with less risky investments and gradually uh, go up in the ladder. It, it, it's fine. And also, this is one of the advantages of learning early. When, you know, when you start at a younger age, obviously, your portfolio is smaller, so you could afford to make mistakes. But you don't want to make a mistake when you're uh, a couple of years uh, uh, before retirement. Um, and, and, and this is, this is where you, you, you tend to find people um, as they advance in their portfolio, they still do the same mistakes because they did not get themselves educated. So I think these three elements, uh, just to recap, number one, again, your education is super important. Number two, understand the product and ask the person selling you the product, what's in it for him to understand you know, the, the, the background. And number three, uh, seek uh, help from uh, your friends or the people who are independent to guide you through your journey. I mean, we, we talked about the top five mistakes, especially that people make regarding personal finance. We just talked now about how to protect yourself from this independent financial advice and other people who try to sell you financial products. Now let's, let's put it all together and let's turn, let's turn on the positivity and to summarize, uh, what are the five simple practical tips you can give people on this critical topic? I know we have covered some of it before. So briefly, uh, yeah. what, are, what are the key things that people should do? Uh, frankly, the fundamental starting point to invest is to save because you can't invest what you did not save initially. Mm. So you need to start saving. And the most important tip for me is to auto automate, right? Uh, our willpower is limited. So uh, at the end of every month, if you wait until the end of the month to save, and let me share my personal experience, my family account, I call it the drainage account, because whatever you put in this account, <laughs> it'll end up in the drain, right? I mean, we will always find plans to, to, to use the money, be it travel or buy new furniture. It, it's, you know, uh, so uh, the golden rule is to pay yourself first, 
So as you get your salary, set up what banks call a standing instruction, hmm. deduct from your salary, transfer it to an account where you don't have ideally a, a, an ATM card, right? So by paying yourself first, like as if that is a virtual tax, right? You put the money aside and you paid yourself first and you should be very proud that you've paid yourself first. And I would even go further. I would recommend that people will set up several accounts. So one account for the short-term uh, saving uh, uh, goals, like example, if you really need to change your car, if you really feel like traveling or very important, you wanna set up a, an emergency fund, mm. which is basically, I think a fundamental element of everyone's personal finance, say around six months of living costs in case uh, you need to change jobs or you have an emergency. So uh, you need to have a couple of saving accounts where you pay yourself first, some of them short-term, some of them long-term for, uh, for your retirement, for instance, or for the need to buy a house. Uh, generally, the rule of thumb is to start with at least 10%, and then depending on your uh, income, uh, depending on your age, you build on that. So pay yourself first and automate it. Don't rely on your willpower. This is a, a very important. Number two is to start saving yesterday, right? Because if, if you look at the the power, the compounding power, right? If you put money in the S&P uh, at 8%, right? Or eight to 9%, which is the historical average, you know, a five years difference. Uh, uh, so it, it, if you say for 30 years, instead of 25 years, the difference will not be 10, 15%. The difference will, will exceed 30%. So it is disproportionate. It's not, a, 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 you know, a pro rata factor because of compounding, right? So you need to start uh, saving uh, as early as you can. I th um, I think, and other I think, uh, I think the magic of compounding is probably the least understood or most misunderstood, but the most underrated phenomenon in, in finance, probably in the world, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. True, true. I think Einstein said once that after the, uh, you know, obviously Einstein came up with the month after his innovation, compounding is one of the most enlightening, uh, you know, uh, concepts in this world. And it, it's true how much it pays off. Frankly, recently I was reflecting with a friend uh, on, on a funny element is, mm. so my friend, he had a newborn baby. In my mind, I know that obviously it's, it's not the best gift for me. One of the best gifts you could, you know, uh, offer to your child, perhaps, uh, beyond obviously uh, the love and the family care, which is the most important, is imagine when your child is born, you will uh, uh, invest uh, an amount of money in S&P 500 passive uh, uh, income. You know, by the time this child reach 18 or 20, uh, it, will be, it will go a long way to provide for the child in, in his education or whatever the priority is. Mm. So it, it's, a, it's an amazing gift because of the compounding, right? So 8%, maybe some years you will lose money, which is true, but over, uh, it will average out and 8% over 20 years, effectively that will be a smart way to providing for, you, for your child. So again, start early, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is, is a very powerful concept. Another one is trying to beat uh, the stock market. Mm -hmm. 
frankly, uh, I tried this in the past and then I came up to conclusion. What are the odds of me tomorrow, uh, you know, running a, a marathon and ending up uh, on the podium? Uh, it, it's close to nothing, right? So for me, trying to, to beat the unicorns of Wall Street is wishful, right? Mm -hmm. So however, our education uh, is based on I want to be the best of the best and you know what. However, in investment, average is excellent. How many people would love to have a return on, of investment of eight to 10%, which is the average stock market return for the past, right? So effectively, we try to play with stocks. We try to buy commodities. However, most of us should be very happy if we uh, invest in an index fund, right? That tracks the stock market. And then if we want with five or 10% of our yeah. wealth, again, as we said earlier, we could invest in few stocks and so on. So uh, the majority of your nest egg, don't try to play around with that. Invest it uh, and diversify again. And we should not uh, uh, to forget that even your portfolio needs to be uh, diversified. Another element that I would recommend, don't save for the purpose just of saving. It's not really uh, uh, quite exciting just to save, just to save. Put a clear goal. Are you saving because you want to really go to the Maldives, right? As a short term, in, are you saving because you would like to retire early? And you know, nowadays, many people are trying to increase their savings percentages, 40-50%, so they can uh, retire early, travel to see the world, and so on. So there is a difference between saying, I want to save 15% or 20% of my income or saying, I want to save because by the time I reach 40 or 45, yeah. I want to buy a beautiful uh, house and retire in the South of France. So it's quite um, uh, it, 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 emotionally, emotions play a very important yeah. uh, role. Uh, finally, I would say, don't try to time the market, right? Uh, many people try to time the market and they burn their fingers, including myself many times. Uh, if you ask Warren Buffett or Ray Dalio and these people that have much more information on um, what the stock market movement will be in the next few months, very few will get it right. They know that on the long run, the stock market is upward the slope is clearly upward on the long run. Um, this is why I think if you have, if you really need the money in the next two years, please don't invest. It. If you really need the money in the next two years, definitely don't, don't go put your money in stocks because very few people will can't predict the market in the next two years, right? Um, so then what's the solution? The solution is, it's not magic, but I would recommend average your buying. So what we call is dollar cost averaging. Right. So every quarter or every month, put the same amount of money. Overall, uh, it will average your cost. So some of, them, some of it will be at a high price, some of it at a low price. So it will average out over the long run because trying to time the market uh, is really wishful and many people fail to do that. I think these are the patterns that we see the most. Um, and... Uh, frankly, uh, if you can if you can learn from this element rather from your own pocket, then hats off. You know, Bashir, this uh, I have a feeling this conversation could go on and on forever. Uh, 
because uh, we have so much in common and because we have experienced so much and we have introspected, I think, very importantly about our experience and arrived at certain very important con uh, conclusions and, and uh, interesting conclusions. It's been a delight talking to you of such a long time. Um, so much in common, very insightful conversation. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, given where you are in your career and your stage and state of life and all the thoughts that are going in your mind, and you know, we talked about career, networking, emotional intelligence, financial literacy, investing, uh, things like that. Uh, what do you think the future holds for you personally? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. So uh, frankly, uh, I'll, I'll definitely, I want to continue to live my life uh, in line with my motto. Uh, for me, is uh, I, I always strive to uh, live in harmony with my values, right? Uh, which is discover and, and do good. Uh, I definitely, my motto in life is to meet new people, discover new civilization and help people around me um, and manage to live a balanced life between family and the career. Uh, beyond the need to maintain a, a balance in life, uh, I've been working on a side gig. Um, I'm working on Malwa Najah, which is... Uh, typical translation, uh, it's an Arabic uh, 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 a blog for money and success. And the aim is to really help people uh, in their personal finances. Mm. Uh, uh, no products, no, what, uh, no whatsoever product or sales, really just to help their people uh, manage this important part of everyone's life. Um, and in parallel, really, you know, life we've learned every, every year, it's a new learning experience. Uh, every corner, every twist is an amazing experience. Really, time is so precious and valuable, so really make the best out of it. Um, thank you for today's uh, session, by the way. Uh, and I wish uh, everyone, including um, uh, anyone listening to us, a good, prospectful career and all the best. Thanks, Bashir. I like your uh, future project on personal finance, the blog. Uh, I hope and I'm sure it'll expand to something bigger and uh, impactful on, 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 on the audience, which badly needs this kind of uh, education and insight, right? And I suspect our paths might cross sooner than the 20 years it took for us. <laughs> to, to, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> to, I hope to, so. Re, to, to reunite, given our shared interests uh, at this stage yeah. uh, of, of our yeah. career and lives. Yeah. Uh, Bashir Siam, thank you so much for joining us today. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. This was brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binot Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events, and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.